A circular economy is based on three principles. Eliminating waste and pollution, circulating products and materials, and regenerating nature, all by design. When you think about that last point, regenerating nature, your brain might leap straight to farming and green spaces, but it applies to all aspects of our economy. Welcome to The Circular Economy Show. I'm Pippa. In this episode, we're circling back to a conversation my colleague Laura had with Josie Warden, former head of regenerative design at the RSA. They spoke at the launch of the Ella MacArthur Foundation's book, Circular Design for Fashion, in 2022. We'll hear them discuss what regenerative can mean within the fashion industry, the role of innovators, and how Josie's First Nation Canadian heritage inspires her to see the interconnectedness in our world. Lara started by asking Josie about the word regenerative. Uh, one of the principles of the circular economy, I mean, the three principles, eliminate waste and pollution, circulate products and materials, and then the third one is regenerate nature. And, and I know that through your work at the RSA, you also explore this concept a lot in different ways. So could you explain um, a little bit more what you mean, what regenerative means uh, to you? I guess on a sort of um, single sentence level, I think it's about like the idea of leaving things better than the way you found them. Um, and I think that is a fundamental shift in a lot of ways of thinking around, particularly around environment, um, which is really exemplified within the circular economy, that shift from like doing less harm to actually thinking how do you really change things so that you're leaving things in a better state. Um, but I think a, a kind of another layer of it is also that sense that there is, the world is a living system and that things will be constantly changing and evolving over time. So we need to also think about how we, when moving to a circular economy, how we kind of create processes and systems that enable that continual change to keep happening over time. And so the idea of being regenerative is then thinking about how you kind of create the conditions for that stuff to keep changing and to let kind of release the potential that exists in people and in communities um, to kind of keep meeting the new challenges that will come down the line. So I think that's how we're kind of seeing it of that sense of it being um, a living process um, and that actually the other part of it is that things that everything that we look at is nested so when we're looking at so, like environment society um, economy these things are not sort of separate pieces but we're all interconnected um, and that feels like a really important um, yeah thing to explore within how we then move into a circular economy and what about the like the use of regenerative within the fashion industry? Yeah, so I think it's been really interesting in the last year, I think during the pandemic, seeing the shift within the fashion industry becoming to talk more about regeneration. And I think it's kind of come from this sense that there is, I mean, it's been building for a number of years, but there really, I think, has been this huge recognition both from the industry and publicly about the, the negative impacts of fashion. Um, and the way the fashion industry has been going about change, I think, in the last few years has been... Um, or in the last sort of decade maybe has been quite piecemeal of like let's create a single line of clothing that is like our sustainable brand or um, let's you know, think about our one material that we're putting into things. And I think both people and, and businesses are recognising actually all of these things are not enough to kind of tweak those additional things. So it feels like the regenerative kind of conversation in fashion has come back from that sense of actually we know it's not enough to do these kind of small things around the edge. We need to really think about much... A, a more kind of radical, ambitious change. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's come from. I think at the moment, it's still, the kind of conversation in fashion is still quite focused on um, 
particular materials and how that connects to agriculture, for example, which is really important because mm -hmm. that conversation, I think, has been not around for a while. There's been quite a gap and a um, divide between like agriculture and where materials come from and then the industry itself. Um, but I think it can be really exciting and hopefully over the next, next year or so, seeing fashion think about actually how does that also go beyond materials into maybe how they um, work with the rest of their supply chain, how they kind of develop their business to enable them to kind of support people and the environment um, uh, in the same way. So I feel like it's a, it's a really interesting transition for the industry at the moment around this kind of concept of regeneration. Um, definitely. And I think, um, I mean, we're seeing a lot of changes and a lot of, uh, let's say, new commitments by organizations uh, thinking beyond their materials. So obviously it's one of the main things when they think about their circular design, mm. uh, how they apply circular design as part of their business, but they are also going beyond that, thinking about the business models, how people can access whatever they put into the market and also what happens at the end, like what kind of systems do we need in place to like get those products and materials to be kept in, in use. Um, what is the link between this kind of regenerative thinking or mindset and circular design? I think, I guess I see it as like a really key mindset shift within um, that designers need within circular economy and to design for circularity because it, um, I think it sort of sets you on a trajectory of thinking like actually, firstly, we're working in a world that is interconnected. So when I make a decision about my the fabrics I use, that has an impact kind of down the supply chain to where it came from. It has an impact on to where it's going to go in the future. And that kind of getting used to doing that kind of zooming in and zooming out, which I think they talk a lot about in the design guidebook. Um, I think that that is a mindset shift that is really helpful to start seeing those kind of nested interconnections. Um, so I think it kind of underpins that kind of way of thinking. Um, and I think that second piece is then around like, how do you create the capabilities for people to keep making change over time. So I feel like it's still those two areas of seeing things as independent and seeing things as like, if I create a you know, pair of jeans that needs to go into the market, how do I also think about the fact that the, the kind of system around how people buy things actually might, be, might look different in 20 years time. So bearing in mind those kind of different layers of things, I think that's what regenerative thinking helps you to kind of look at those different mindsets um, in new ways. And let's talk a little bit more about the work you do uh, at, as head of regenerative design at the at the RSA. Um, why futures? Do you think that that could that maybe that can divert some people from thinking about action in the present? Or why did yeah. you call it regenerative futures? Yeah. So we so we call it futures rather than future because <laughs> we guess what our kind of focus of this is like we don't know what exactly this is going to look like. Um, similar with circular economy, like we do know what the ambition is, but we don't know exactly how that's going to play out. So it's a good to have the opportunity come to be able to explore it in different ways and that it might look different in different places. So the futures bit is really important. Um, and I think it's also trying to build that sense that this is um, not a sort of one time solution, mm -hmm. that actually this is a kind of, and I think that is another mindset shift is seeing this as like, something you need to keep working out. Um, and I think they talk about this in the book as well, of like this circular economy is something that can be kind of solved. It's a kind of process of becoming always. And like, how can you keep changing? Because there'll always be more depths you can go to or new things you can explore. So I think that's why we um, focus on the idea of like moving futures yeah. and it kind of keep going, keeping you going forward. But there are so many examples of this stuff happening in practice today. And again, as the book kind of brings to life, um, that... I think you're right, part of it is then trying to explain to people and show people, inspire people like what's happening now of what this could all look like, potentially. 
And I guess that for some people, like circular design, I mean, something that is very clear to me is that there are many ways of applying circular design to, to the work you do, depending on actually what, what your role is uh, within the fashion industry. Um, and it can maybe seem a little bit abstract sometimes for people. And I know that in your last report, you kind of created, created these guiding principles for designers uh, to apply. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about what they are? Um, so yeah, so we've set, created a set of eight principles um, to support designers to think in a regenerative way when they're working. And that's trying to kind of move, trying to get over the sort of automatic way of thinking that you might have. Um, and so it's very much thinking like if you want to move towards this circular economy way of thinking about, you know, eliminating, circulating, regenerating, what are some of the practices you might need to support you? And so we've looked at um, quite a range of things, but I'll pick on a couple of them. So one was uh, is around um, designing for circulation of, of all kinds of things. So we're talking about how you circulate materials, but actually in order to get to a circular economy, you also need to think about how you circulate things like information, um, data, um, and then also other things, maybe like finance or um, power agency. Because we definitely found working with designers, like they don't always have all of the information that they need to be able to design a whole product. So mm -hmm. actually, how do you think about circulation beyond the material piece? Um, another one we looked at was thinking about what is this kind of idea of nestedness? So how are you working on a project and being sure that you're looking at the next couple of layers up? So if I'm working on a pair of jeans, how do I, has that influencing my organisation? How is that in, maybe then influencing the way jeans are designed um, uh, across the industry? Um, and one big area that we think is really important is starting the, the idea of starting from place and context. Um, and that's, again, maybe flipping a conversation that uh, when you have a big kind of global supply chain or a big global industry, it feels quite intuitive to start at, at like the big side. How do you make change in a kind of big way um, with those big players? But actually what we're quite interested in the idea of regeneration is also how do you work from um, what is the kind of assets that are within a place. So that could be a town, it could be an organisation um, and building things up from there. Um, and that's quite a sort of shift in mindset for a lot of designers to be thinking about. Um, so that's one of the principles too. But they're all designed to kind of get people to think slightly differently about how they're approaching um, the work that they're doing and to create sort of spaces for, for new ideas to, to emerge. Is this kind of place-based approach, is it um, something that you feel like the circular economy perhaps is not doing, uh, like, it's not really taken into account at the moment, the narrative. Um, I guess we do see a lot in cities, mm -hmm. but for example, I don't know, like thinking about a village or a town or I don't know, at different kind of scales and levels. Um, yeah, what do you think we need to do to kind of like, let's say, put this in place, this yeah. principle? I think it is a bit of a gap at the moment. Um, as you say, there's kind of focus on things within cities, but I think it's the... Um, I think the idea if we're moving to a very different system, do we try and design that at a big scale and then like land it into different places? And the, I guess at the RSA we work a lot on kind of social change things and this challenge you see if that happens within policy, you design something at a big layer and then you try and land it in a place, you get a kind of kickback reaction because it's, it doesn't suit that place, it's not tailored, it doesn't work. And I think the benefit we have with the circular economy because it's trying to move to a very different system is actually how could we, rather than look at that kind of homogenous idea, think about maybe there could be lots of different, multiple ways of doing things that collectively can add up to a different system. And I think that's the beauty of the idea of distribution within circular economy. Um, so I think there's so much um, kind of fertile opportunities within places to look at 
new solutions that can work for that place. And it might, I think it probably should be the case that, you know, a, a fashion brand working in um, California actually has quite a different approach to a fashion brand working in um, uh, Mysore or in Mumbai or because they have different contexts. So I think that's really important. I think it helps people and communities to make sense of what's going on if you do, if you kind of work from what's in place. Um, but it also just offers the opportunity to do things totally different. So as an, an example, there's organisations called Fibre Sheds who are working around the world, looking at different um, ways that local regions can grow fibre and dye systems. So in this case, for example, California, looking at different kinds of things. In the UK, they're looking particularly at wool um, and um, materials that might be able to be grown here. And that is just a totally different way of looking at supply chains where normally you're looking to kind of homogenise things. Um, so I think there's a lot of potential in that of like growing, growing different kinds of systems from place. Um, but at the moment, there isn't the resource and infrastructure to enable that across lots of different sectors. So I think I feel like that's an important gap to be looking at. And what about the role of entrepreneurs? Because I know you, you've worked on this program called Rethink Fashion, um, in which you have a cohort of, of different entrepreneurs working on different let's say, areas of the fashion industry. Um, what's the role and, and what did you, let's say, what are the main learnings that you took from this program? Yeah, yeah. so we worked with um, 12 creatives from across different parts of the fashion system. And we did that intentionally because they are all, I guess, representing different kind of perspectives. So we had some from manufacturing, some from design, some from marketing. Um, and the kind of purpose was to see how they, as both individuals but also a collective could increase their impact mm -hmm. um, by developing and enhancing their kind of circular design credentials. Um, and I think the kind of key, the, the, I guess the role of innovators in that space is for them to be able to kind of signal a new future. They are not encumbered by the kind of challenges of the existing, uh, many existing businesses and are like can see, I guess, see that kind of direction and where things could go. Um, so that's, that's their role and it's what's so exciting about what they do. What's so difficult about what they do is um, it's often so kind of future looking um, that it's sometimes difficult to kind of get the resource or get the network that can enable them to make that happen. Um, and they're also then working within a system which has been geared up to, you know, kind of for one version of success. So what we wanted to do with the group was really see how they um, can support each other to be a kind of field of practice that collectively are making change together. Because I think it can often be a very lonely place to be that kind of um, kind of innovator. So for them to be able to support one another, recognise they don't have the whole picture themselves, learn from each other, and then kind of work as a collective field to, to support wider change. And I think, I guess, that recognising that role of um, kind of convening and creating the imagination infrastructure. So how do they collectively think what that future is and where do they want to go together? And how can they then kind of work back from that into what are the seeds that they can put in practice together, both in their own organization, but also collectively that can help that to move forward. Um, and I think that that kind of role is really important because it starts to build that kind of field of practice as opposed to just individual innovations. Um, and I think that then enables them to yeah, to have that more kind of collective impact. So we're getting towards the end, but I wanted to ask you a couple of big questions, I would say. <laughs> One is like, what is the kind of like uh, bottleneck or challenge, uh, you know, that it's, you know, preventing, let's say, a circular economy for fashion um, to kind of scale? Uh, 
yeah, which one is the one that excites you the most uh, to, you know, to work on the topic and focus yeah. on, the solu- on finding solutions? So I think the big bottleneck I see, which is quite philosophical, <laughs> is I think a lot around like mindsets of how we understand the world. And I think um, the kind of seeing humans as separate from the environment underpins so much of our culture, mm-hmm. but actually then really affects the way we think about um, the work that we do, how we relate to each other. Um, and my my dad's, on my dad's side, I'm, I'm First Nation Canadian, mm-hmm. and I just love the kind of, the different perspective that that brings, that that, that that part of my family brings on actually seeing the world as living and interconnected and, you know, the trees and the plants being your relations and not being inanimate objects. And that's just like a totally different way of seeing things. But I think if you have those different like underpinnings, you can then build up to like different ways of doing stuff. So I feel like there's a big philosophical mindset thing that I think is yeah. challenging. And I think it's actually shifting a lot. Even recently, I've noticed people talking about like, um, you know, life being not just humans, but other things. Um, then I think in practice, when it comes to kind of the industry level side of things, I think the um, definitely like how we measure success is a real is a really big challenge because without those different measures, you will find people who are innovating within industries and within businesses who always hit a kind of immune response because they what they're doing doesn't get captured or recognised within the kind of current way of thinking of things. So that's why I think things like uh, like the donut kind of economics framing of like um, actually how do you look at different measures and therefore what different business models are enabled mm-hmm. um, to to let you try things in a different way. So I think there's like a deep, deep-seated yeah. thing, but then also some very like clear structural things as you kind of go up. And I think education is a big thing too, like supporting designers to, to learn differently. Because again, I think the industry is quite siloed in how designers learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're able to kind of bring people together in that layer too, that starts to kind of create changes. Um, thank you, Josie, uh, for being here with me Thanks today. Thanks very much. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed that conversation between Josie and Laura as much as I did. As Josie said, it's important to think beyond the materials and learn how to apply circular design to the whole supply chain. Later in this series, we'll revisit Laura's conversation with Rudo Nondo from Fashion Revolution, who discussed why storytelling is at the heart of circular design for fashion and the lessons she's taken from Zimbabwe's clothing industry. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Circular Economy Show from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. If you liked it, then please leave a review or share it on your socials to help us spread the word. See you next time.